Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. Good evening, good evening. If you're new with us, we are in a collection of talks called Give Your Year to God. And if you're new with us, uh, we are giving out these free uh, Genesis journals. Uh, they're free 99. If you tell them you know the pastor, you get a 20% discount. Uh, tonight, uh, we are on page 98, but if you don't have your Bible, don't worry. It's on the screen. When you see it, someone say amen. amen. So Joseph, someone say Joseph. Joseph. Come on, it's 5 o'clock. You had coffee already. Someone say Joseph. Joseph. So Joseph went to his brothers and found them near Dothan. But when they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. These are great brothers, by the way. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns, which is just a a pit, and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let us not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty and there was no water in it. I know for the last three weeks we've been going through the book of Genesis, but I want to do something different tonight. I also want to read you the same story, but from a different perspective. Someone say perspective. Sometimes when you see something, you need someone to translate for you, to explain it. And that's what's happening tonight. David, the prophet, through Psalm 105, is going to tell us the same story, but from a different perspective. Psalm 105, verse 9 says, The covenant he made to Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac, he confirmed it to Jacob as a decree. To Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Canaan as a portion you will inherit. Then in verse 22, Moreover, He called for a famine in the land. He destroyed all the provision of bread, and he sent a man before them. I love that phrase, and he sent a man before them. Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with feathers. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. He made him lord of his house, ruler of all his possessions, to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his elders wisdom. I want to preach for 30 minutes tonight and 15 seconds around this idea. It's on the screen. When pit happens. When pit happens. There's a word play right there. No one laughed. I I was laughing all week. It's fine. (laughs) When pit happens. I want to preach around this idea. What do you do when life sucks? What do you do when it doesn't go the way that you want? Because this collection of talks is really about putting God as number one in your life. And what do you do when it doesn't go the way that you planned, the way you designed, the way that you thought up? What do you do when pit happens? And uh, let's begin with prayer because I need help preaching tonight's word. God, thank you so much that you brought us here tonight during this season. Some people are sick. Half the room has COVID. The other half didn't show up, God. No matter what we're going through, God. We believe that you keep your promises. You're faithful. You're a good God. And you've gone before us, God. We pray, Father, that no matter what we experience, that we would trust in you. We place our faith in you. That maybe we walked in one way, Jesus, but we're going to walk out differently. We're going to walk out with peace, with joy, with the the joy of the Lord as our strength. And if you believe it, everybody said? 
when I was 27 years old, I went on my first mission trips outside the United States. I went to, to Jordan, and I, I spent uh, three weeks on this mission trip. I spent a, a week in Atlanta training how to share my faith, and then I spent two weeks, would you believe it, in the capital of Jordan called Amman. And, uh, imagine a bunch of 20-year-old kids who have their parents do their laundry, and now we're on a missions trip. we got to cook our own breakfast. we got to do our own laundry, right? And we're trying to share our faith with anyone who's willing to listen. And every morning we'd wake up, we'd pray, we'd spend time with God, and then we'd hit the streets, sharing Jesus with anyone who would listen. And imagine being in a country where you don't even know the language. How do you share your faith when people who don't speak English? And so we got to get savvy. we got to get savage. We'd walk around asking everyone a hundred times a day, do you know what time it is, sir? Excuse me, sir. Do you know what time it is? And if they could respond in English, we would not let them leave because we wanted to give them Jesus. And... Uh, when you love Jesus, you'll do anything to share him, amen? And what I loved about that trip is at night, we would create these care packages. We'd go to the grocery store and we'd buy $100 worth of food and then we'd visit the homes of refugees, Christians who were being persecuted in their country but were, were seeking asylum in Jordan. And what's so crazy is that Jordan would let them come and live there, but you couldn't work there. These were the poorest of the poor because the government wouldn't give them food, the government wouldn't let them work, but they were somehow expected to survive. And we'd go into these meek homes, and these families had nothing. They didn't even have the opportunity to buy us a meal. We came with a meal. And I remember there was this one family, this old man. I mean, his 50s when I was 20. I thought 50 was old. Sorry if you're 50 in this room. I'm not saying anything about you. But in my mind, he was old. And we were there, and he had two daughters, and uh, this whole time he's telling us his testimony and he's from Iraq and he's like, ah, I, I didn't understand a word he was saying, but thank God we had this translator. I'm like, man, is he angry? Like, why is he so like, oh, he's like, no, 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 he's just passionate. I'm like, oh, okay. I thought he was going to kill us for a second. <laughs> and this whole time this translator's, I'm seeing one thing, but then the translator telling me this is actually happening. And uh, it, it made a lot of sense when one, when, and at the end of the night, the his 13-year-old daughter, he's got two daughters, an 8-year-old and a 13-year-old. The 13-year-old daughter gets up and begins to serve everyone tea. And the translator looks over and says, hey, my friend. I'm like, yeah. He's like, you don't want to drink this tea. I was like, why? Because if you drink this tea, that tells him that you want to marry his daughter. I'm like, I don't want this tea. I don't want, I want tea, but I don't want that tea. You know what I'm saying? I'm thirsty, but I'm not that thirsty. And the reason why I tell you the story is that's what pain's like. You will see pain, you will experience pain, but if you don't have a translator telling you what pain is, you will misjudge it. See, pain will make you question the goodness of God. Pain will make you question if he still loves you, if he still got your back, if he's still for you. Because pain will make you think that he's left you, that you're going through this because you did something wrong, that maybe you're not the loved one, maybe you're not the favored one. Pain will make you judge the goodness of God. It will make you forget the good things that he's done in your life. Pain, listen to me, needs perspective. Someone say perspective. See, we, we understand the, the power of pain and its purpose. Anybody go to the gym? Anybody love the gym? Everyone else is couch potatoes. Awesome. We love you at Center Set, no matter the size. Whether you're thin or round, we love you here, right? But when you go to the gym, it's painful. You don't just sit and watch the TV. You got to, like, lift weights. and You got to run. And, and, and it's like, who wants to suffer? Unless you want to be a hottie with a body, right? It's like summer season and... You, you want to look good, because when you look good, you feel good. When you feel good, they pay good, right? That, that's the, the great theologian Deion Sanders said this. And, and why do people suffer at the gym? Not for the pain. 
for the benefit that the, comes after the pain. And often what we don't realize is when we're going through a painful season, God sees the benefit. God sees the end result. But if you don't let him translate, if you don't let him whisper in your ear why you're going through this, you will question his goodness. I wrote down like this. I would write this down if I were you. Pain needs perspective. Only then can it have purpose. Your pain needs perspective. Otherwise, you will think you're going through that painful season for no reason. And the life of Joseph is a painful one. This is a 17-year-old kid who, by all definition, is a spoiled brat. He's the loved one. He's one of 12 brothers, and his father loves him and favors him more than all the others. And the reason why is because he's the son of his wife who passed away, and he loved that wife more than the other wife. And Joseph, he has this encounter with God at the age of 17, and he puts God first in his life. And, And it wasn't until he began to follow Jesus that his life became difficult. And I have this question for us. And the question is, what do you do when you follow God and put him as number one in your heart and then life sucks? What do you do when pit happens? Because for the last three weeks, we've been talking about how do we give our year to God? How do we make this the best year of our life? And in week one, we talked about how you got, you're, you got to love Jesus more than your dreams. Does that matter if you're a man or a woman, old or young? Every person in this room will have something in their life that they love more than Jesus. And if you're going to follow Jesus, you got to lay that thing on the altar. Because if you don't, you love that thing more than him. And then last week we talked about that every person in this room has a calling. Every person has a blessing that God has for them. And that blessing, when we hear this word blessing, we think, oh my gosh, the Instagram hashtag, I'm blessed. No, 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 it's not that. And maybe we think it's an external thing, a car or a job, maybe a home. And the blessing that God has is not external, it's, it's internal. That he went to Jacob and said, you're no longer a thief, but you're a prince. And he gave him my identity. The most valuable thing that you could ever get from God is that he give, tells you who you really are. But what do you do when you put God first, when you get your identity from him, and pit happens? That's what we find in the story of Joseph. He puts God first every step of the way, and his life gets worse and worse and worse. This man spends from the age of 17 to the age of 30 in prison. For doing what? Nothing. Nothing. Look what it says in Psalm 105. Moreover, he, he being God, called a famine in the land. God is the one that causes it there to be a drought and there to be rain. He's the one that causes there to be surplus and there to be lack. He is the one orchestrating human history. He destroyed all the provision of bread, and he sent a man before them. I love that it says he sent a man before them. But then I'm confused because it says Joseph, the one who was sold as a slave. So which one is it? Was he sold or was he sent? Was it God, you sending him, or did you sell him as a slave, God? Are you really this God that we can't trust? Which one is it, God? Was he sent or sold? And God says, I would never do evil. That's what you need to realize. Pain will cause you to question God's character. God would never, God is holy. Someone say holy. Which means he doesn't lie. He doesn't steal. He's totally different than us. And the holiness of God makes you, actually, you can trust God. You can depend on God. The holiness of God should bring trust in your life. Because he's not like me and you. He's not two-faced. He'll never leave you. He'll never deceive you. He'll never lie to you. And the holiness of God does not allow him to ever do sin. God would never sell someone into slavery. But God, what God does is he uses the evil things that we do. Come on. 
and he turns them for good. And what Joseph is doing through the prophet David is he's translating for us. Remember when I was in Jordan, I'm sitting on this couch, and I had this 13-year-old girl bringing me tea. I saw one thing, but the translator was saying, this is actually happening. Don't drink that tea. You're going to take that girl home. It's going to be all bad, right? Joseph's telling us, I'm being sold, but God's the one in control. I was sent, but I was sold. What man meant for evil, God meant for good. What you see with your eyes is not really what's happening because God is the one who is orchestrating history. Listen, what you need to realize and write this down, pain is not the translator. God is. So too many of you in this room, you allow your pain, you allow your suffering dictate the character of God. I, I don't know what, what, why your parents left you. I don't know why your spouse walked out. I don't know why your boss won't give you that promotion. But if you allow the pain and the suffering to tell you who God is, you will walk away. Everyone experiences pain, but do you let pain dictate the character of your God or do you let God translate? I know you're suffering. I know you're going through this, but I'm in control. I know, Joseph, you're being sold, but I'm sending you. I know you're about to serve a king, but I'm the king of kings. That's what you need to realize. And then the story continues, and in Psalm 105, verse 9, says, The covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac, he confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Canaan as a portion you will inherit. God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I love that for every person in this generation, in that story, God reveals himself in a personal way. It tells me that God doesn't want to have a relationship with your grandmother so that she can tell you about God. God doesn't even want a relationship with your parents. God wants a relationship with you. God doesn't even want a relationship with your spouse. He wants it with you. He wants to tell you he has a plan for your life. And Jacob, while he's running from God, while he's running because he just stole his brother's inheritance, he just lied and deceived his brother, he's on the run. It's the worst day of his life. And that night he has a dream. And in the dream, God comes to him and says, I pick you. Even though everyone else abandons you, even though no one else wants you, even though everyone thinks you're a liar and a deceiver, I choose you. God picks us not at our best, but at our worst. And he gives him this vision, this dream of a ladder. And the ladder is not going up. The ladder is coming down. Religion is our attempt to get to him. Christianity is God coming down to us, amen? That he's the ladder, that no one comes to the Father except through him. And this dreamer named Jacob, he has 12 sons. He, imagine the stories he would tell his kids of his dream, how he met God, how he had this dream. And he began to tell, this dreamer began to tell his children of these dreams. And even though J Jacob has 12 sons, only one, only one of his 12 sons begins to pursue jo God himself. And that's Joseph. And the reason why is many theologians believe Joseph is the only person mentioned in the book of Genesis of all of his children who has a dream. And it's not because God didn't have it for the others. None of them pursued God. Joseph hears the story of his dad who wants a personal relationship. Who's this ladder that I don't need to be holy. I don't need to be righteous. That no one is justified by obeying the law. We're justified by faith. Amen. And he begins to have dreams. He begins to dream things. He has this dream where all 12 of these chiefs just bow down to him. And it's a picture of his brothers, his, his 11 brothers bowing down to him. And being this spoiled brat, he's probably like any younger brother in the room. Come on, I mean, don't know what I'm talking about. All of them are spoiled brats. Every older brother knows what I'm talking about. His older brothers who are bigger than him, stronger than him, and they're like, Phew. 
Who does this guy think he is? And look what it says in Genesis chapter 37. But, but they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. In verse 23, it says, So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into a cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Have you ever seen the, the Joseph movie, the, the cartoon? Joseph has this, like, colorful rainbow robe, and all of his brothers have, like, khaki robes, and they hated him because his was colorful and theirs wasn't. But you got to understand, it's much deeper than that. The brothers, their robes, the shoulders are cut off. Joseph's robe wasn't just colorful. It was functionally different. He had long sleeves, which meant he was working in the tents and they were labor workers. This is the equivalent of you waking up Christmas morning and your little brother opens up his Christmas present. It's an Armani tuxedo with a, <laughs> with a suit. I'm like, wow, Dad, you bought him that? You're like, what's my gift? And you open it up, it's a hammer and construction shoes. You're like, what? <laughs> Dad, what are you trying to say? Am I going to be like blue collar and he's white collar? Like, what's going on? No wonder they hated their brother. Because this father favored him. And then his brats tell him, all of you going to bow down to me? All of you going to serve me? Of course they would sell him into slavery. I would do the same thing. <laughs> but what do you do when you put God first in your heart and pit happens? And there's some of you in this room, you go to a job where your boss is not very nice. You go to a marriage that has no hope. You're in a marriage that... No one knows that you, you're trying your best to have children and you can't. Some of you, you're, you're single and all of your friends got married and it's like, when is it going to be my turn? Sometimes life doesn't go the way you want. What do you do when, when pit happens? And there are seven things that Joseph does in his life that I believe will change your life. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. Number one, when pit happens, control what you can Control what you can. He doesn't focus on what he can't control. He doesn't obsess on what's out of his control. He focuses on what he can. 90% of the details of Joseph's life are totally out of his control. He didn't, he didn't get to pick that his brothers would sell him. He didn't get to pick that he'd be sold as a slave. He didn't even get to pick that he'd be taken out into Egypt and become a slave for a dude named Potiphar. Who's Potiphar, Pastor Ali? He's the chief executioner for all of Pharaoh, which means if you talk back to your boss, right, you're done. Joseph doesn't get to pick. You know what he does get to pick? I'm going to be the best slave I can. His, his perspective unlocks something. He shows us that no matter what's going on, even when most of the details of our life are out of our control, you still have control of you. You can still determine, I'm going to show up different. I'm going to do something different. doesn't matter what happened to me. I'm not going to play the victim card. I'm going to be the best slave that Potiphar ever has. See, I wonder if you can go to work on Monday to a boss who doesn't respect you, a boss who won't give you that promotion, but can you show up different? Can you serve him even though he doesn't, doesn't deserve it? And I wonder, I wrote down like this, what would it look like for you to suffer in your situation successfully? Wow, what does it look like for you to suffer in your situation successfully? Joseph, not once, not twice, three times he's in a pit, three times he's under a Lord, and every time he gets promoted. Why? Because he shows up different, even though he's suffering. This man suffered. In the book of Genesis, I encourage you to read it. His brothers are recounting the fact that when they sold their brother to slavery, he was crying out their name, please let me go. Imagine hearing the voice of your brother every night 
calling your name. Imagine the suffering. This, this man was not abandoned by a random people, by his own family. He has no control who his boss is. He has no control what country he's part of. He has no control even what his occupation is. You know what he does control? Me. I'm going to control my attitude. I'm going to control my work ethic. I'm going to control my, 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 the way I show up to work. And Joseph, he shows up to his work. This man, Potiphar, has dozens upon dozens of slaves. This man is churning through them. He kills them. He gets rid of them. And yet this man who can't even speak the language within one chapter is running Potiphar's house. I wonder what it would look like if you allowed the favor of God to come into your life because you suffered well and you succeeded while you did it. I wonder what God could do if you went to work, if you went to that marriage, if you went to that neighborhood, if you went to that family that you don't want to be a part of and you suffered successfully. Amen? Amen. Number two, when pit happens, learn from your mistakes. Love Joseph because this man constantly makes mistakes, but he's constantly learning from them. When we first meet Joseph, he's a 17-year-old punk. He's obnoxious. You know what his nickname is? The dreamer. Do you know why? Because all he ever talks about is his God dream. Do you know God has a dream for me? Did you know that God has a great plan for my life? I don't know about you, but for me, oh my gosh, let me tell you about me. So much so that they call him the dreamer. Like, oh my gosh, here's Joseph again, talking about the dream. His whole life is around him. His whole life, he's the center stage. He's the main character. But something shifts when he's in prison. God uses the pain. God uses the suffering. And it begins to change Joseph. Joseph, when he couldn't even have a conversation with his brothers, by the end of the story, he can talk to a slave and he can talk to the king. He can talk to a prince. He can talk to the warden. It does not matter what room Joseph goes into. He has mastered the book of how to win friends and influence people. He read Dale Carnegie's book, and that spirit is on him. And this man is learning from his mistakes, and he's learning so well, it does not matter where he is, he learns. I wrote down like this. Joseph never lets his big dreams keep him from doing small jobs. When he goes to Potiphar's house, he goes, boss, what do I need to do to help around here? And will, within a matter of time, he gets promoted. Then when he's thrown in prison, he goes to the prison ward and he goes, what do I got to do to help around here? And within a matter of time, he becomes the, the, the head. He's running the prison. I wonder what would happen if you went to your boss that you don't like at the job that you don't want and went to your boss and said, what do I got to do to help around here? Because I'm here to learn. I'm here to serve. I wonder if the reason why you haven't walked in your calling yet because you're so focused on you. Listen, if you're too small to serve, you're too big to lead. And Joseph was about him, but God changed him. God used the pain. God used the suffering to, to change it from me to you. From me, he, he, he became, he learned from his mistakes. Number three, when pit happens, opt for the road less traveled. Jesus says this. Says there's two roads. There's the narrow road and there's the wide road. The narrow road is small and few walk in it. The broad road, though, is wide, and it leads to destruction, and many walk down that road. Our culture pits these two choices with the angel on one side and the devil on the other, right? And Paul, he talks about this. It's the battle of the flesh versus the battle of the, the spirit, that our flesh is constantly fighting, that every person in this room has this conflict. What do I do? Do I do what's right, or do I do what feels right? Do I do what God wants, or do I do, I do what I want? And every time in Joseph's life, when he's in this pit, when he's in these difficult situations, 
He opts for the road less traveled, and it's remarkable. It's crazy. I'll give you two examples. One is temptation. This man, the Bible says, does not just excel. He's not just crushing it and grinding it at work. The Bible uses this language to describe four men in the Bible, that they're beautiful in face and form. What's that mean, Pastor Ali? He's a hottie with a body. Come on. He would make all the single girls swoon. Oh, my gosh. And he loves Jesus. And he's fine. Oh, my. What's your number, right? So much so that Potiphar's wife now wants a piece. It's like, hey, come sleep with me, Joseph. And Joseph refuses. Can we just time out for a second? Why? Why doesn't he sleep with her? He's a thousand miles from home. No one's going to know. Every time he follows God, every time he obeys God, his life becomes worse. You think at this point, I'm done following you, God. It's time to get some side piece, right? I don't want your piece anymore. I want the side piece. He doesn't. He doesn't even have the Ten Commandments. Moses doesn't even come for another 500 years. Why does he not sleep with his neighbor's wife? Why does this man obey God when everyone else, the whole culture, his flesh are saying, get naked? It's crazy. It's not, his, it's not like his dad taught him morals. His dad has four wives, three too many. Come on. <laughs> and his older brother, Reuben, sleeps with one of his dad's wives. Like, this is a Jerry Springer family. <laughs> Why does this man not sleep with this woman? Because Joseph knew that his hand of God was upon him. This was about evangelism. This is about being a witness. He knew that his job was more than just counting clocks. He didn't work for Potiphar. I worked for him. And everything he did, he did for God. Even though his life was in a pit, he said, it doesn't matter. My God's still good. No matter what he suffered, there was a translator telling him, I know, Joseph, it's not going the way you want. I know it's 17. All of your friends going to college. All of your friends are getting married. And here you are, single, burning with passion. Don't do it, though. I got a plan for your life. And Joseph does the right thing. He doesn't sleep with Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife, one day she can't handle no, so she tries to rip off his coat. Second time his coat gets ripped off, by the way, those theological nerds taking notes. Once by his brothers, once by Potiphar's wife. And when Potiphar comes home, finds out this dude tried to sleep with my wife, he throws him in prison. Many theologians believe that Joseph, if he had actually tried to sleep with his wife and Potiphar knew, they would have, Potiphar would have killed Joseph. But the reason why he spared his life because Potiphar knew his wife was lying. And he kind of pulled a Monte Cristo, Count of Monte Cristo, kind of just throws him in prison and forgets him. Imagine obeying God and going from a slave to prison. Yet he still chooses the road less traveled. But it's not just in temptation. It's also in forgiveness. Anyone ever get cut off on the highway and wish you had a gun? Come on. Anyone ever, this is my favorite, anyone ever stand in line for like an hour and a half at Disneyland and then you see those demons that cut in front of you, right? And you want to call the police? Anyone? No? Liars in the room? Okay, no, no. I'm the only one that wishes I had a gun. I want to kill those people. I'm standing in the sun, melting, forgot my umbrella because it's L.A., and these demons are cut in front of me. I want revenge. So why wouldn't Joseph want the same thing? His brothers betray him, sell him as a slave. And then when Joseph's 30 years old, he gave his best years of his life away for nothing. His brothers come into the room. They don't even recognize Joseph. Joseph has the power to execute all of them. He says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good, for the saving of many lives. He chose to forgive. 
even though his flesh wanted revenge. When you find yourself in a pit, listen, control what you can. Learn from your mistakes and opt the road less traveled. And number four, if you're taking notes, it's this, focus on others. I know this is hard for the Instagram selfie generation, right? You know, we're the main character on all of our TikToks, right? Like, oh my gosh, I'm dancing everywhere. (laughs) And like, you're this like reality superstar and filters make you more beautiful than you, you really are. And like, it's hard when life is about you to be focused about other people. And it's even more difficult when you experience pain because pain makes you self-absorbed. Woe is me. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm going through this. And Joseph's life is, is different. He, his whole life is about him in the very beginning. And then it shifts. He, he's the dreamer. He's, he's the one that everyone, oh my gosh, Joseph talking about his dream. But then he, he shifts when he's in prison. That God providentially brings these, a butler and a baker, and they have a dream. And it's remarkable because Joseph doesn't talk about his dream. For the first 11 years of his life, when he's, in, when he's in the pit, all he can talk about is, do you know what dream God has for me? Do you know he has a calling for me? And the moment he's in prison, something shifts in his heart. He, he takes the focus off himself and begins to focus on these men. And I wrote it down like, this is crazy. The only way God allowed Joseph's dream to come true was by him paying attention to everybody else. I wrote down like this, maybe the thing that's keeping you back from your God-given destiny is that you're focusing too much on your God-given destiny. Maybe, maybe you should focus on other people. Maybe you serve other people. Maybe if you're not focused on you, God will, uh, can finally use you. I wrote down like this. I, I'd write this down. This one's good. Imagine. Next slide. Or not. I'll read it. Imagine how big your life could be if you could be small in it. Imagine how big your life could be if you became small in it. See, so many of you in this room, life is about you. You're the main character. No, God is. Your life is about him. You're called to glorify him. God is not in the business of making people famous. He's in the business of raising people up so they will declare him as famous and declare him as good. And Joseph, his life was about him. I have a calling. I'm special. I'm a snowflake. And after being in prison for 13 years, he finally figured it out. Life's not about me. It's about Jesus. And he took his focus off him. And the moment he took the focus off him, he was able to walk into his calling. God raised me up so I can lift others. God made me a blessing so that I can bless others. God does not make you big and strong so that you can look in the mirror and say, look how special I am. God wants wants you to use your strength and your resources to be a blessing for other people. Amen? And number five, number five, when pit happens, use your new superpowers. Use your new superpowers. I dare some of you, no matter what season of life you're in, no matter what, what your marriage is going through, no matter how difficult or rude or challenging your job is to declare over your situation, God's going to use this pain. This is not a suck fest for nothing. God's going to use all of this to build something in me. Amen? 
in every season of Joseph's life, God uses the pain and he builds him for the next season. When he's in his father's house, he, he learns how to run his father's business. And then when he goes to Potiphar's house, all the experiences he had there, he learns to run Potiphar's home. And then when he goes to prison, he uses those two experiences to run an entire prison system for all of Egypt. How? Because every time he went through something, he kept getting stronger. He kept allowing the pain to build something in him. And Jesus says it like this, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Are you poor in spirit tonight? Are you weary tonight? You're blessed. You're lucky, Jesus says, because you're going to inherit the kingdom of God. Are you blessed are the meek? Are you in a low position? Do you feel small, ignored, rejected? You're blessed. You're lucky. Why? Because you're going to inherit the earth. I wrote it down like this. God allows you to face pain because he's preparing you for power. God allows you to face pain because he's preparing you for Joseph's life sucked for 13 years. He goes from Potiphar's house as a slave to prison. All of his friends, all of his family are living the good life, getting married, having kids. He's the only one who's watching all of them on Instagram, watching them on TikTok, and here's this man in prison suffering, saying, God, why are you doing this? What are you doing in my life? God was building something in him. Remember a couple of weeks ago, I was... I sat down with a mentor of mine and I began to tell him how this last year in ministry was the hardest year of my life. Been through a lot of painful seasons. My father was abusive for 18 years. Uh, I got, got married at 23. My wife left me for someone else. All of those painful experiences, nothing compares to what 2021 was. And people are like, what about 2020, Pastor? I like COVID. COVID wasn't that bad. It was the Tiger King and DoorDash. And the Mandalorian, it was, like, I'm an introvert. I actually love 2020. Didn't get to see any of you for, like, 20 weeks. It was awesome. <laughs> 2021 was hell. Because after 60 weeks of doing online Netflix church, we finally come back. And our 200-person church is 100 people. And then we go from a morning church tonight, and 30 more people leave. And the rejection and the pain, it was hard. I went through depression. I didn't tell anyone. All of June and all of July, it was the hardest year of ministry, if not my life. And there have been many seasons. I'm not sure you have the character to hear this. I felt like quitting. I felt like walking away. And I go to my pastor and my mentor. I'm like, why am I going through this? This sucks. Feels like I'm in prison. And God, he reminded me. He said, you know why Joseph was not let out of prison, Allie? You know why God had to wait 13 years? Because God didn't trust Joseph. Because if he let him out too soon, he would kill his brothers. But God had to use the pain to prepare him, to make him stronger, so that when he came out, he'd use his powers to help other people. Do you know why God won't let you out, Allie? Because he doesn't trust you. Because he has to build something in you. I wonder how difficult your marriage is that you want to quit on. Don't quit. God's building something in you. I wonder how difficult that job that you want to walk away from that boss who's abusive, who doesn't treat you like you, the way you deserve to be treated. Let me tell you, God's using this painful season to prepare you because he's preparing you for power. The thing he's building now, he uses the pain. And when you go through pain, you cannot let pain translate. You need to take it to Jesus. And he tells you, I know you're suffering. I know this is hard, but I'm doing something bigger. Too often you let 
pain be your translator instead of Jesus be your translator. God is preparing you for the next, and the reason why you have not come out of the pit is because you're not ready. And that sucks to hear. But it's often when I realize, God, crush me. God, make me smaller. Make me not focused on myself. That this church is not about me. This church is about you. My wife and I, we didn't start this church to be famous. We, want, we started the church because we wanted to be helpful. And it's, it's sometimes it's easy to forget because you get so lost in the numbers and the size that it's all about people. I don't care if we ever grow. I love all of you. It's an honor to be your pastor. And if we never get an 11 a.m., I'm going to preach my heart out until we do. Amen? Yeah. Number six, we're almost done. When pit happens, don't bottle your emotions or let them have the last word. Joseph, he's a drama king, dude. His name is mentioned 35 times in the, in the book of Genesis. Do you know how many times it's mentioned as he's weeping? Eight. For all you math nerds, that's 20% of the time this dude is crying. That's a lot. Imagine every five times you see your friend, they're like, oh my God, oh my God. Joseph has every reason to cry though. His brothers abandoned him. His boss threw him in prison. He lost the best years of his life. This is not like uh, Monty Python where someone blows their knee off like, oh my gosh, it's just a flesh wound. No, this is like real suffering. And Joseph, he does something that most people don't realize they need to do. He takes his pain. He takes his anger. He takes his jealousy, he takes his rejection, and he brings it to God, and he weeps before God, and he yells at God, I thought you loved me. You promised my family that you had a promise for us. Why am I here? You said that you're a good father. I've been in this prison for 10 years. See, too many of you, instead of going to God, you go to your friends. Instead of pouring your heart and your emotions to Jesus, you pour them out on Instagram. And you want comments. And you want likes. Instead of the only one who can truly heal your heart. You don't need to hold back from God. He created the universe. He can handle your anger. But Joseph models for us the proper way because his pain is overwhelming. This man spends 20% of the time weeping. He is so overcome. God, where are you? God, I thought you loved me. But he always comes back to the scriptures. You're the God. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your rod and your staff, they comfort. You're the God who takes all things. Someone say all things. Even evil things, even suffering things, and you work them for the good of those that love you. I love you, Jesus. You're going to use all of this for my good. I don't see it, but I believe I'm listening to the translator, and you're my translator, God. Not my pain, not my suffering. You, Jesus, are the one that are going to bring all things for the good of those that love you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, because you are with me. Amen? Jesus. The only one that can handle your anger and heal it, that can take your jealousy and do something with it. Number seven, when pit happens, stay forward thinking. This one is the one that I'm 
so touched by. This is the one I think is, is impossible. Here Joseph is. He's been in a prison for 11 years. He's never seen, he's never been to a wedding. He's never been to a graduation. He's never been to a bar mitzvah and had a party. He's never seen the goodness of God in his life. And a baker and a butler say, we have a dream, Joseph. Can you interpret it? And Joseph interprets it. And then what he says, I encourage you to read it. He says, our God is good. And he's got a plan. And he's going to save you. It's remarkable that this man who has never seen the goodness of God is declaring the goodness of God. That's the greatest miracle I believe in Joseph's life, that no matter what happens, he stays forward thinking. This man hoped in a hopeless situation. This man had so much hope that at the age of 17, when most of us would say your life is over, he lived to 110. He got to see his children and his children's children. And then what's remarkable is 500 years later, God raises up a man named Moses. By then, the Israelites are not one man, Joseph. They're over a million people. And Moses leads all the Israelites out of Egypt. And do you know what they carry when they leave? The bones of Joseph. Because Joseph declares, I may have lived in Egypt, but homie, I'm not from Egypt. It does not matter what I experience. My God is good. When I resurrect, I'm resurrecting at home. Because this is not my home. And this man is declaring the goodness of God in prison. He's declaring the promises of God in prison. I wonder, can you declare the goodness of God when you've never seen it, when you've never declared, when you've never even tasted it? This man never saw God do anything positive. And he doesn't stop praying. He still is forward thinking. He still has faith. He still knows that God is good. I wonder if there's anyone in the room that no matter what you experience, you can declare God's good. I wonder if anyone can say, I may be suffering, but my God's not done. This may feel like hell, but God's going to use all of it for my good one day. Amen? Amen? If I can get you to close your eyes, I'd love to pray for some of you. Got to pray for the people in this room that are waiting on something from you. Who cares if their spouse hasn't come back yet? Teach them to keep believing. Who cares if the promotion hasn't come yet? Teach them to keep believing. Who cares if the sickness hasn't left God? Teach them to keep believing. Who cares if their child walked away from God? Teach them to keep believing. Who cares if their spouse has not accepted Christ yet, God? Teach them to keep believing. God, teach us to be people who suffer successfully, that we would not focus on what we can't control, but on what we can, that we would learn from our mistakes, that we would focus on others, that we would opt, God, for the road less traveled, that we would use our superpowers for the benefit of others, that we would acknowledge our emotions, but our emotions do not have the final say. And Jesus, no matter what we experience, no matter what we face, we would never stop thinking forward. We would have faith in a faithless situation. We would have hope in a hopeless situation. I pray for every person in this room that's going through something right now. God, encourage them. God, remind them that you haven't left. That pain is not our translator. You are. I just feel so led for those of you watching online and in this room. This is a holy moment. 
Because Jesus is the true and better Joseph. And Jesus is our older brother. And he was the one that did nothing wrong, yet we killed him. Joseph was sold into prison by his brothers. You and I, the brothers and sisters of Jesus, we betrayed Jesus. We killed him. We're the ones that sent him to the cross. And when Jesus died and resurrected, he has the power to, to get judgment against us, but he does it. He offers forgiveness. He offers relationship. That religion is us trying to earn our way to God. God is the ladder that comes down and says, I pick you on your worst day. I pick you when no one else picks you. I want you. And I don't want a relationship with your grandmother. I don't want a relationship with your parents. Or even, I want a relationship with you. I want to talk to you. That's you tonight. With every eye closed and every head bowed. And you want to start a personal relationship with Jesus. Pray this prayer in your heart with me. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me of my sin. I turn, God, from my ways and follow you. God, I place you as first in my life. Speak to me, Lord. Thank you for forgiveness. Fill me with your spirit. From this day forward, God, I want you to speak to me. You translate what, what I'm experiencing follow you, Jesus. I don't understand everything, but I want to walk with you all the days of my life. As we're still praying in this holy moment, if that was you tonight, and you prayed that prayer for the very first time, with every eye closed and every head bowed, we just would love to help you on this spiritual journey. If that was you on the count of three, would you just be willing to raise your hand so we can help you on this journey? One, two, three. stand. Let's continue as an act of worship, lifting up the name of Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope this message impacted you and inspires you to draw closer to Jesus. Subscribe to this podcast and give us a follow on Instagram at Centerset Church to keep up with all that God is doing in our community. Also, we'd love to be in prayer with you. If you have any prayer requests, please send them to info at centerset.church.